You're listening to the CPR of Life podcast, a show about creating community through connection, awakening potential, and uncovering the resilience of the human spirit through an understanding of state of mind. It's about living a life well-lived and uncovering what often gets in the way. Welcome to episode number 22. I am absolutely thrilled today to chat with Tanya Elfersi the beautiful soul behind the Wiser Woman Project. Tanya is an educator and the author of Purple Leaves, Red Cherries. She is passionate about raising awareness and helping women through perimenopause and menopause. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So welcome, Tanya. I'm very, very happy to be chatting with you today. Um, It's a pleasure to have you here. Did you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi. It's great to be here. Um, so I'm, my name is Tanya and I'm from thewiserwoman.com and I help women journey through perimenopause and menopause and help them see something exciting and refreshing about this whole journey and ultimately help guide them to a natural cure for any symptoms they might be experiencing at midlife. Mm. So we were talking before we hit record about what would you, how would you define perimenopause? Because that's not a term that some people might be familiar with. Right, right. So perimenopause is generally defined now as the time leading up to menopause, whereas menopause is known as this moment in time, one year after your last period. Perimenopause is all, all the years of change that come before that. And what's so interesting about this term is that it's only been around for about 20 or 30 years. Before that time, menopause was understood to be a 40-something and 50-something women's experience. And it was understood that menopause takes time. And now what happens is that so many women enter their 40s or even reach their late 30s experiencing symptoms that many women at midlife experience, but they have no idea that they're moving through midlife change. So they will go from, you know, doctor to doctor or treatment to treatment, trying to treat the symptoms individually, rather than seeing that something much bigger is going on in their lives and that they're moving through midlife change. So many women, you know, it will take them a while, and it certainly took me a while <laughs> of having the symptoms to realize that they're actually in midlife change. And so there appears to be like a knowledge gap. Um, that's part of my work that I'm trying to raise awareness about. And um, but it, you, now it's kind of, now menopause has been divided up into these sections of perimenopause, menopause, and then postmenopause. And I think that that's primarily because of the way that hormone therapies are given out these days, and perhaps mm. because we're less comfortable about you know women becoming mothers first time in their forties or something, and then being in perimenopause. And it's probably like a mix of this cultural pressure that's created this, this division. But it's actually it's all, you know, it's all, we're, we're always in flow. We're just flowing through our life cycle. And perimenopause, menopause, and, and postmenopause, it's actually all happening in flow. So there are certain symptoms that women will experience earlier on in the change. For example, night sweats. Women tend to experience them before they get to the hot flushes, which is the, you know, menopause symptom <laughs> everyone knows about. Um, but the symptoms that women can experience in perimenopause can, can be wide, 
wide ranging indeed. So from anything from, well, I certainly had two weeks of PMS mm-hmm. instead of one usual day. Um, so that was sort of emotional ups and downs and very tender breasts and headaches at ovulation, headaches before my period. And I know a lot of women experience that. And then a lot of women experience skin problems um, and sort of eczema and rashes and often things that they've only experienced when they were a teenager or when they were pregnant. Um, other things that women can experience, anxiety and depression. Um, some women experience hair loss, um, other changes in their skin, uh, uh, stomach problems, digestive issues. There's just such a wide range of symptoms that have all been thrown perimenopause. And they all sound like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like thing you look forward to. But, um, but what we can talk about and we can explore is why why they've all been thrown into basket and what's actually going on with women at midnight. <laughs> why does now, it sound like so Now that fun? we've set the stage, I'm sure there's no <laughs> listeners left. They're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next, I don't want to get to my fourteen now. But yeah, so, because, oh, so how, how for you did you kind of realize that this was a stage that you were in? Yeah, so I, at the age of forty-three, started experiencing. Actually, the first thing I experienced was a drop in my immune system, and a lot of women experience that. And I just thought that was strange. You know, I've got three kids, and ever since I was a mum. I didn't catch their viruses that they brought home from school. And then all of a sudden, every virus that they brought home from school, from nursing school, what I, you know, I got it too. And so I thought that that was strange. I noticed that. And I also experienced some hair loss. And so I went to acupuncture to try and cure my symptoms. And my acupuncturist could boost my immune system and she stopped the hair loss. And But then I started getting migraines and I started getting eczema and I started being really up and down mood-wise, and that was really, really unusual for me. And this went on, and I was, you know, just still doing acupuncture, and I was trying to take some herbs and try and do healing and trying to work out what was going on um, for almost a few years. And and then I heard a webinar by someone called Dr. Christian Northrop, who's a in women's health, especially Mm -hmm. about um, menopause. And she said, some women in their 40s experience what I would describe as PMS on steroids. <laughs> yeah. PMS on steroids? That's are going off. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, ding, ding, ding. That's what's going on. And that was really the first time I'd heard about perimenopause. And I thought, well, this is fascinating. And how, how the... How have I never heard about it before? And how could I be in midlife change? And I'm in my, you know, my mid forties, and I thought menopause was in the fifties. And and then I started speaking to my forty-something friends, and I asked them, "Well, do you know? Do you know that we might be in midlife change?" And nobody knew. And I thought that was also strange. And lots of women who I knew were experiencing symptoms, but they were again, you know, experiencing really bad eczema or really bad headaches or really bad stomach problems and they were just trying to treat them individually without seeing the whole picture and that really set me off on a journey because I thought well there's such a knowledge gap and I considered myself to be quite well I I thought I had a good knowledge of women's health yeah I thought well if I don't know about it and all my friends (laughs) don't know about it then something needs to be done 
and I started viewing my symptoms differently and um, and I and I made a promise to myself, well, if I ever find a cure, a natural cure, um, then I will share it mm. with the world. And and that's what happened and that's what that's what I do these days. So it's, yeah. I have a woman's group and it's women in their forties and, and same thing, they thought that the symptoms that you were talking about were just kind of like almost like a midlife crisis, <laughs> you know, that they were in this stage in their lives where their kids are growing more demanding, as we were talking about, um, <clears throat> career, if you're in a sandwich generation, kind of, you know, taking care of parents as well, and never kind of looking at any other issues. And I don't think it's talked, it's talked about more now, but it's not talked about a lot. Right, right, and you because you all you would have to know about perimenopause to look for it. And if you're mid forties and you've done, you've never heard about that, or you've yeah. you kind of perimenopause is something menopause, and that's a fifty something thing, then you're not going to be aware of it. Yeah. But the thing is that as soon as you can become aware of it, then you get into a hormone story. Mm. And what's interesting is that I. Quite soon after I heard about perimenopause, I realized that it can't be my hormones. And when I say this, people are like, what? <laughs> right? <laughs> that's the whole point. You know, that's what's happening with symptoms. But from the research that I did, um, there isn't a solid connection, strangely, between the fluctuation of the hormones and, and our symptoms. They happen at the same time, but it doesn't mean that the fluctuation in the hormones create our symptoms. So, for example, you can have a woman with a certain hormonal pattern before her period, for example, and she will experience PMS. And I know we've all grown up thinking, well, PMS, that's my period, that's my hormones, that's, mm. that's what's going on, yeah. right? Yeah. But you can have this another woman with the same hormonal pattern and she doesn't experience PMS. Yeah. So with this understanding, like I, I saw that, well, that, that seems to be true about PMS. Then why isn't that true about all our symptoms? And what we see in the history of the treatment of menopause symptoms is that because women are experiencing so many different symptoms, emotional and physical symptoms at midlife, They've all been put into this basket of perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And then women were given hormones and, and there was this causal relationship that was established without it actually existing between all their symptoms and the fluctuations in hormones that go on. And I believe that that's, that's just not true, that that relationship is just not true. There is a relationship between them it's not the fluctuation in hormones that's causing our symptoms. It's the fluctuation in hormones that's creating a sensitive time for our symptoms to arise. Hmm. That's a very different narrative about midlife women's health than we generally hear and we've been hearing in the West since mid-last century, <laughs> right? Which is like women come to midlife, they start malfunctioning, their hormones are getting it wrong and they start experiencing symptoms. And I was always, well, you know, hearing that narrative since I understood that I was in midlife change. I was always like, well, why does that make sense? Yeah. Like, why would yeah. my hormones start getting it wrong? 
right? They didn't get it wrong when I was a teenager. And no one had to interfere, actually, from right from when I was born. No one had to tell my body how to become a toddler, right? Mm-hmm. And then a girl. <laughs> Just magically then happens. <laughs> right, right, right. The body just knew. Yeah. And if you come with the idea, well, the woman's body doesn't know, and the woman's body surely can't be brilliant, then you can build this story of, and her hormones are going to get it wrong at the blind. For me, that, that never made sense. So then people come and they say, yeah, but 100 years ago, women were never living you know, beyond menopause. And that's why our hormones are getting it wrong in midlife. And that's another myth because women have always lived throughout history through menopause. And when you look at life, average life expectancy charts that look like a hockey stick that people will often point to and say, yeah, here, you know, where people are arguing with me in different places on the internet. You know, here's a hockey stick chart that shows average life expectancy. Explain to them that average life expectancy through the ages was so low because child mortality, infant and child mortality was so high. So 60% of children didn't reach the age of 16, right? So what you had, and and if people look back in their... um, family tree, if people have access to a few generations back, what you will see is you'll see that the people who survived, survived way beyond menopause or way beyond midlife, you know, men and women. But they lost, you know, brothers and sisters along the way, very young. And that's what was happening. There were children's, you know, we were getting it really wrong in terms of health um, for, for young children and children up to the age of 16. But then once you made it through to adulthood, you're expected to live way beyond midlife. Whole idea of oh, your malfunctioning. It's, it's a story. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> so what for you has been, it, it is like there's a narrative there. There's a story and we kind of embrace that story and we kind of go for a ride with it. What's your narrative? What, what's, what's worked for you? Right. So the way I understand it is, um, like I mentioned before, perimenopause, menopause, this whole time of midlife change is just a sensitive time in a woman's, in a woman's life. Just like her teenage years were sensitive and just like if a woman remembers being pregnant and postpartum, those were always also sensitive times. And there is a reason why the body creates these sensitive times. And perhaps it's easiest, easiest for us to remember if we were pregnant, postpartum, those times. Um, and when, if, when a woman is pregnant, the body has very little tolerance for behavior or lifestyle choices that aren't healthy, right? So if a woman is working 12 hours a day, incredibly stressed, not eating well, symptoms are going to appear pretty quickly. And what's interesting is she'll go to a doctor and the doctor will say, well, are you working too hard? Are you sleeping enough? Here, take seven days sick leave, right? And it's the same in, you know, in postpartum that the, the body has very little tolerance for unhealthy lifestyle choices and a lot of stress. And in order to protect the baby during pregnancy and during postpartum, to protect the mother and, and the baby, the body has this sensitivity for a good purpose. 
right? Because it's not going to allow you to go off and be totally stressed and work and, and, you know, not take care of yourself and then not take care of your baby. On an evolutionary level, it's not going to happen, right? So the body is putting a lot of energy into when a woman is pregnant, looking after her and her baby and postpartum. And similarly, the body is putting a lot of energy into moving us beyond our reproductive cycles. And at that time, the body is just sensitive. And I think there's two reasons. Like number one, because the body actually is just putting energy right into, into that process. And so it has less, less energy left over for, um, for, for helping you get through a stressful time. And so you're going to feel symptoms from stress, for example, from overworking or from a bad diet much quickly, much quicker than perhaps if you're in your 30s or in your 20s. But also it appears to me that it's part of the design that we wise up designed to live way beyond menopause. And this is what they find in hunter-gatherer societies, like contemporary hunter-gatherer societies, hunter-gatherer societies today, that People do live until their 70s or even their 80s in those societies. We are designed to do that. And, and we have a purpose when we, when we move beyond menopause. And that is to serve the generations that are coming up with our wisdom, right? So it's within the species uh, interest that we remain healthy and able to contribute to society as we move into our wiser woman period, as I like to call it, right? And so the body is almost saying, well, you need to learn now, right? Because you are going to be in a more sensitive time if you move through your 60s, your 70s, your 80s, et cetera. So because that, those, that period, postmenopause, is more sensitive, doesn't mean that disease is inevitable, but it's more sensitive. It's not the same as being in your 20s and 30s. So I need you now to make the shifts that that you need to keep healthy, not only now, but beyond menopause too, so that you are going to live a happy and healthy life and you are going to be the wiser woman that society needs you to be. And so it's, it's, it's twofold. It's number one, practically the body needs more energy and so it has less tolerance. And number two, the body actually needs you to wake up. It needs you to wake up to... What happy, healthy life looks like, so that you are going to live happily and healthy. So, <clears throat> two things came up for me when you were saying that. It's so interesting. First of all, it's super interesting when you sit and you think about it in these ways. The wisdom that's innate in our bodies, just to kind of take care of things, you know, like you say, like when you're young, um, it just it just does. Our bodies are the capacity of our bodies and the wisdom within is amazing. Um, that it's not following any instructions. It's just kind of doing. And the second one I wanted to kind of talk about is the role of stress. Um, yeah. Because I think that that's, people kind of can focus on that and then, when your body needs more to take time to kind of take care of things more inside, <clears throat> you can kind of be in a lower state of mind, you know, like, you know, you, you, you can become more tired. I don't know. I'm trying to 
you know, your, your body's doing what it's doing. So your body might be more tired than usual. And when you're more tired than usual, things tend to look a little bit different on the outside. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just going back to the, to the point about the wisdom of the body and then coming to this part about stress, what I see is that it is impossible for our bodies not to remain brilliant throughout our lives, right? It's, it's impossible for wisdom, this, this innate wisdom that exists in us and in all things, to sort of go in and out of our body, right? It remains within us. And so the brilliance of our bodies remains. What I see as happening is that we move in and out of seeing that brilliance. Yeah. Right? And living in that brilliance, if you like. And so when it comes to us experiencing symptoms, it's very easy for us to go down that road of, oh, God, you know, my body's malfunctioning and this is aching and I've got another headache coming on and, you know, you know my stomach is playing up or what's this rash on my, you know, and with this idea that modern medicine has really pounded into us that, you know, the body is designed to malfunction rather than the body is designed for brilliance. Right. And, and what, if, it's, if it's malfunction, yeah. let's go find a fix for it. Let's, yeah, and it, and it needs to be quick and come in a bottle and mm. I need to be able to buy it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Today, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and then maybe if I need to take it for life, then that's okay too, right? Because that's the way menopause has been viewed as a chronic disease, right? From, this, from the really the 40s or 50s, 60s, the idea was that women were going to be prescribed hormones for life, right? That was the idea. Women's bodies get to midlife, start to malfunction. Women need hormones for life. These days, women aren't allowed to take hormones for life because they realize the risk is too high. No. But what's going on with the symptoms is because we so easily fall into that, oh, my body's malfunctioning, I need the quick fix, right? We forget that there's an innate brilliance. Now, I can sometimes, even though I manage to cure my symptoms through, through insight alone, there are times when I can get the odd symptom coming back. And it's always because I've got really into my head about something. And then my body will start bing, bing, bing. And I can, you know, go, oh, God. But I remember, oh, yeah, this just means that I need to rest more, that I need to take better care of myself, that I need to just say no, right, to whatever's going you know, in my diary or whatever it is, that I just need to carve out that space for myself. And Western societies are so not designed to support women through their life cycles, not designed, you know, when, when, when girls become teenagers and move through their menstrual cycles and the whole narrative that's around that, not designed to support women in pregnancy and postpartum. I mean, certainly in the States, it's a ridiculous situation. And not designed at all to support women as we move through midlife. And if, if we're really able to offer women that support, we would understand. And we, it would all so it would be built into our society. We understand, oh, women are going through change at that time and they need support. 
and they need to rest and they need to work less. And, and I maybe some of your listeners going, yeah, well, that's impossible for me. But it's just like whatever the conditions that we find ourselves in, we need to be able to carve out just that extra bit of space, mm. that extra bit of that extra bit of care for ourselves, because society isn't doing it for us, and we've kind of forgotten that that's what we need. But the symptoms—that's that's what they're telling us. They're telling us just to wake up to something, to to shift in some area. And so, for some women, it'll be the shift in the diet, or to start exercising a little bit more or to cut out alcohol completely or whatever it is that they they feel like could be the next step that they can do just to take a little bit better care of themselves. But for so many of us, it's about stress. And when I talk about stress, it's so often the stories we hold true about ourselves and we're not willing to let go. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned earlier um, that you had an insight that you were able to kind of manage your symptoms because of an insight. What was that? Yeah. So at the time, I had, um, when I returned to work after, I, I'd been at home mom for about six years with my kids, and then I returned to work and I published a book on motherhood. I, I self published it, and I used to work in marketing in technology companies. And so when I got back into this work mode and I published this book and it actually won four international book awards and got rave reviews. And I thought, well, this is it. Now, now here are my sales targets, right? I went back like into corporate mode. Yeah. Here are my sales targets. And this is what I need to do. And then because I'd been out of marketing for so long, because the whole social media revolution <laughs> 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 Home, mom. I was all the time looking outside of like, what do I need to do? Oh, I need to take this course. I need to learn from this person. Or I need to do like she's doing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was very, very outside-in approach to trying to sell my book. And to cut long story short, I couldn't sell my book very well at all, and I certainly didn't make my sales targets. <laughs> and we lost money on the book because it was this beautiful, full-color hardback gift book for new moms <laughs> that I had created, and. Um, and slowly but surely, the story that I was telling myself was that I wasn't enough. Mm. That once I'd been up top of my game, and now I've kind of lost it. That I used to be the breadwinner, and now I was just wasting all the money because you know. And and as I worked harder and harder at trying to to sell my book and promote my business, I felt like it was creeping into the time that I was spending with my kids, and then I wasn't mum enough. Yeah. And so there was this whole balance thing, you know, going on between trying to, you know, launch my myself in my little business, online business, and 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 trying to keep up with the motherhood side of things and trying to bring it all together. And I just the long the bottom line was I just didn't feel enough. And and every time I thought about how I couldn't sell my books, I really thought I was a failure. And what made that failure appear even greater was that I used to think of myself as a woman who set targets and achieved them. Mm -hmm. And that certainly wasn't true throughout my whole life. But I had created, but I certainly could pick things from my life 
and get gather this narrative and make it into a good story about myself and then really hold on to that identity about myself that I was a doer and I was a determined person, a passionate person. And I set those goals and I made them happen. And the funny thing is that in one of these online business courses, they asked you, you know, to ask your, your friend, you know, 20 people who know you, how they would describe you. And that's how everyone would describe me, right, mm-hmm. in those yeah. terms. And so I held on to that story of, but I'm the one who sets goals and make things, makes things happen. So why can't I create these, reach these sales targets? And so that made the sense of failure yeah. even bigger. Wow. But the thing is that that was just a story that I was taking seriously. Like that, that just actually wasn't true, but it was something that I had created, an identity that I had decided to hold on to about my life because I thought that that served me. And one day I had an insight that, oh, wait a minute, I'm the one who's creating this story about myself that I'm a failure because actually it wasn't coming from anywhere else. Like no one else was telling me I was a failure, right? It was just coming from from me taking these thoughts that were coming through my head very seriously. So every time I felt failure, not selling enough, not good doing the motherhood stuff well enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. I made that into a big production. I shone the light on it. I thought that was true. And I realized that that couldn't be true because it was just thoughts going through my head and that I didn't have to take them seriously. And then I realized, well, it would actually be easier if I didn't take them seriously. It's such a shoulders when when you yeah. actually go, okay, <laughs> not really right. prescribing right. that story. Right. I just saw that suddenly saw that it's just all thought. It's just passing through my head. I can let it pass through and I don't need to take it seriously. And I think it's easier if I don't. And in that moment, it I'll never forget it because it was just like, oh I I think I've seen something. Yeah. And I thought at that moment, oh, I think I've cured my PMS. <laughs> that was what I'm, you know, I was having these two two weeks of PMS symptoms. I think I think I've just cleared up my PMS. And within days, I had cleared up all my symptoms, which was eczema and, and the migraines and night sweats and the PMS and, and everything else that was going on. And it was just from that very simple insight. It's amazing how many stories we kind of attach to. You know, we have these stories and we attach ourselves to them and and we are the expectation box, I call it, that, you know, like we create this box either with a list of expectations about ourselves or about others. And <clears throat> often we don't recognize that it's created and we hold ourselves to the standards or we hold others to the standards. And then we actually have a reaction when those standards aren't met. <laughs> And when you step back and you realize, oh my goodness, this is really just a story that I've created. It's just thought. Um, And I can have a fresh thought if I just stop engaging with this story. There's so much power in that. And I think it's beautiful that this is kind of the, I think it's beautiful to have this conversation because I don't think we have this conversation enough. Um, Right. But you you saw the profound kind of change that that's had for you. Now, has like have you had this chat with your friends and you've had it with others? Have you seen similar kind of 
experiences happen? Yeah, well, what I saw after that insight, and, and since I had made the promise I was going to share, if I, if I did find this cure for the symptoms, I started interviewing women who were in their 40s and in their 50s and trying to find out how they were experiencing um, their, their time at midlife. And what I found was that so many women had a central story that they held on to. And so women can say to me, oh, well, Tony, you, yours was just about books. You couldn't sell, you know, but mine yeah. right? <laughs> is about the fact that, you know, I've never recovered from my career since, since my kids were born or the fact that I never became a mother mm-hmm. or the fact that I, um, I left my kids with, uh, with a nanny when, you know, when they were young and maybe that's why, you know, I was, I was not a good mum back then when my kids were young or my mother never loved me or um, I've never had a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I'm not anywhere where I expected to be financially. And what's what I thought was so interesting is that so many women, we, we hold on to one story yeah. that, that we've, we've like molded, right? It's just from thought. We've made it into something very concrete that feels very concrete. And that sits at the heart of how we feel that we're not enough somehow and for all of us the stories are just made of thought and they can just pass through and we can have fresh thinking about any situation and and then all of a sudden when that happens something in our body shifts right because when we hold on to a story so tightly and it appears so concrete that it creates the, the stress. It is like the foundation of stress in our lives. If we can see a way that we can just let that go, the body just starts to relax. And so when I share what I see about midlife change and the brilliance of our bodies and the understanding of the power of thought, and this divine wisdom that exists within each of us, then women's symptoms do start to just disappear. And we can realize that that's all our body wanted us to do, was just to reconnect with joy and just to let go those stories that we thought defined us when no thought can define us. Do you know, is it your experience, like, <clears throat> how you view life now and how you viewed it maybe when you were in your 20s is so different. And it's, for me, that's, the, when I came across the understanding of the three principles, it completely shifted so much for me. And I was, I was talking to my niece this morning about friendship. And again, it's the expectations and the stories and it could be about career it could be about this and that but when we hold on to something so tight there's a physiological response in our bodies that stays tight as well and that's why like you say when you let go your body just kind of breathes it's like okay you know 
And when you take care of yourself, when you rest, when you say no, <laughs> when it's just not the right time, it's such a gift. And so many women find it hard to say no to others and say, yeah, because to me, what I say is when you're saying yes to everybody else, you're saying no to yourself. So when you start to say yes to yourself and no to others, there's nothing wrong with that. But so many people find it hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily today, when I could show up in life, I just, I can really tune in to what I'm inspired to do. And I'm so aware that my feeling is always my divine guide. And it's always guiding me to my thoughts in the moment. And it doesn't stop working that way. So when I'm feeling constricted or sad or angry or whatever it is, I just know that that's a reflection of the thoughts that are passing through at that time. And I can just wait. And when I feel clarity, then I know that's my divine guide. Yeah. That my thoughts are on track. <laughs> and so if I just act from clarity when I can, and I'm not saying, oh, I don't take a step anywhere without having clarity. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's okay that I can say, oh, yeah, this, yeah, that sounds, that sounds interesting. Like, that sounds like something I'd like to do. And, oh, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Right? That yeah. just comes, and it comes just so gently with that, that voice that I've come to recognize as wisdom, which is a, it's such a different voice. I mean, I often talk to women about, you know, the gentle voice of wisdom versus, I can only describe it as the bitchy voice. There might be a better way of saying it, but it's that, <laughs> it's that nag, it's that, that oh, I should, I must, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm not enough of that, etc. That's never wisdom, right? That's just thought that's passing through and we can just let it go. Some of the like kids that, that I work with call that the thought monster. <laughs> right, right. Call it the thought monster rather than the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Might be more age appropriate for them. Right, right. But it's such an easy way to define it because it's like, oh, I, I can hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to pay attention to that. That's okay. Yeah. How has this changed or has it changed in how you're parenting? Because you're parenting three kids going, in, like, going into or in the teenage years. Sorry, I missed that. You cut out just a bit. But oh, sorry. How has it yeah. changed kind of your parenting? Um, because you have kids that are in the teenage years or just approaching the teenage years. Right, right. So, of course, my house is just so peaceful and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just take everything lighter. That's, that's the way that I see it. And I have so much more compassion, I suppose, from my kids going in you know journeying through their teenage years because I understand that there is a wisdom 
pushing through this teenage madness, which is that the the body does want the teenager, you know, the teenage body, the wisdom in the teenager is trying to push that child to find what they love, right? It's not about what I love or my husband loves. It's not about us. It's about helping them to connect with something that's about, you know, that ties to their joy. And so as they move, you know, if you want to call it the movement towards the individuated self or whatever psychological term, but it it is like a wisdom in the body that's pushing them through and helping them find what they love. And that's so important. You know, women often at midlife, they also get this calling to reconnect with what they love. And that's also part of the design because research has shown that if you're connecting with what you love and with things that make you joyful, then that's healthy. Yeah. Right. And that's what's, that's what's happening in the teenage years. That's the wisdom that's bubbling through them. And they also have, you know, less tolerance, but you know, their body also has less tolerance for, for stresses, et cetera. So they will experience, you know, symptoms or an outbreak or an outburst or, you know, anger or tears, you know, et cetera. But that's that's just the sensitivity playing out in them. And and that's okay. And they'll get through it. Do you have conversations with your, actually all of them, it's not just for girls. I mean, boys go through puberty as well. Um to kind of let them know this is the wisdom of their body. Yeah, yeah, I do. And yeah, I just had a conversation with 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 my with my middle child as well about this just yesterday. <laughs> just helping her to understand that she is moving through a sense she's moving through sensitive years. Yeah. And so things will play out a little differently from what they were even playing out last year. And she's going to feel a little different and she's going to be more sensitive and her body is changing and that her body needs the energy to change. One of the things that we often hear people say in the 3P community is, I wish I would have known about this before. And it is such a blessing. But I think having those conversations is a blessing as well, because every time we have that conversation with a child or a youth or that they get to kind of, it's like dropping a pebble, you know, and then there's a ripple right. from that, that your daughters can share that wisdom with their friends and have a different conversation, a different narrative. And that's what I think is really important. Um, and I love the work you're doing because it is changing the narrative a bit. You know, like if you think of the beginning of the Quite call, oh, yeah, actually, <laughs> if you think of the beginning of the call, like all those symptoms you were listing, people can get, kind of get caught in that and just think, oh my God, what a horrible thing to go through. Whereas if you shift it very gently and look at it in a different perspective, change the lens and change the conversation, it can be a beautiful experience, you know, when we shift the lens that we're kind of looking at it through or change the narrative around it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I never think, Oh, I wish I'd known about this earlier. I mean, you know, it could have been helpful, (laughs) but, but, um, every part of what I experienced was such a great lesson 
really. And and just like today, if I would, you know, catch a symptom, you know, catch the first sign of a symptom and then remember, oh, yeah, you know, I've been really in my head and I've been really stressed about whatever it is that's going on. Like that just helps me remember and keeps me humble to the brilliance of the body. And, and what's so interesting is that I can even look back at times before I came across the principles and, and see how much they're just always at work, right? When, when things would just play out in life without too much thinking about them and these great things would happen. And then when, like times in life when you're like, this is really going to happen and this is really this and this is really that. And, and it was just such a struggle. And so you can see times when it was, life was lighter and life felt more of a struggle. And, and that experience just sort of enriches your understanding, I think. It really does. For you, what would you say to kind of women who, <clears throat> not kind of women, what would you say to women who are just approaching or maybe having some of the symptoms that you talked about in the beginning? What I'd like to remind women is that their body can only act out of love and that their body is always brilliant. And I know that women are like, yeah, but my body, <laughs> my hormones, and that can't be true for X, Y, and Z. But it has to be true because that's just the way our bodies work, right? Our bodies are always and will always try and guide us back to a balance that's healthy and will keep us happy and connected with our joy. That's just the way our bodies work. So what that is going to look, that journey is going to look like for different women, I can't, you know, that's what, when I work with women, we discover that together, but ultimately that's their journey to discover. But it's about learning to listen to the body, to listen for wisdom and to be open to seeing something new to be open for those insights that may just come as just a little flash and something will fall. And what I often see happen, you know, they, at first their life looks like it's like created of spheres. It's like the family bit, the career bit, the, you know, the parents bit, the whatever, like going on and juggling all these spheres. And then, and then whatever sphere feels lighter, something will open up there, right? Women often say, oh, what's really interesting is that, uh, you know, the relationship with my husband is just like so great. I don't know what happened there. Right? I don't know why we're getting on so, you know, so much better. Or it'll be like, you with my parents, it's just like, you know, we're just not arguing anymore. Yeah. And and then slowly we'll, we'll reach another sphere, another sphere. And then, you know, it's just like veils dropping, veils dropping. And then realizing that's all not separate spheres anyway, right? That's all just us showing up in life. And and that's, you know, that's an exciting journey, I think. It really is. <laughs> so that's ending off on a much different space than we started out with all those symptoms. Right, right. right. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Like, you know, the, the, the narrative that we have bought into just because it's everywhere about mm -hmm. women at midlife, 
is so not in touch with this idea of this innate wisdom that exists within a woman's body and this idea that of course a woman's body knows how to move through menopause. And of course we're not, you know, designed to suffer through menopause. But it's our body's attempt to guide us. Like it's coming from love to guide us to a happier and healthier place that we can enter our wiser woman role. And that's really the point of midlife change. Yeah. Um, well, Tanya, this has been such a lovely conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um, so I really want to thank you for taking the time to chat today. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. It's my pleasure. <laughs> thank you for having me so much. <laughs> Thanks, Tanya. Take care. I knew this was going to be interesting and fun and educational. What a fabulous conversation. This is only the first of many conversations about the connection between mind and body that I will be exploring. Here are a few thought bomb takeaways. It is great to have these conversations. There is nothing to dread or be ashamed of. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. The human body is innately amazing. When we let ourselves be open to that wisdom, it will guide us through birth, puberty, perimenopause, etc. We often deny ourselves the space, time, and self-care that our bodies, our innate wisdom is gently guiding us towards. When we say yes to someone else, we are saying no to ourselves. And finally, your body can only and will only ever act out of love. And your body is always brilliant. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Until next time, be well, be inspired, be you. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with Jessie Lynn, please check out the contact page on her website, jessielynnmcdonald.com. Also, we'd be beyond grateful if you would leave us a review. Join us next time for another edition of the CPR of Life.